secretly draws the blade in the fog her breath is made on the window, and she feels brave. Then the bombs begin to fall. The bombs. They come from high-orbit Thor-class bombers, piloted by farm boys from Earth and miners from Mars of the 12th Sunshine Squadron. Curses and prayers and tribal dragons and curved scythes have been sprayed upon them in aerosol paint. They dip through the clouds and fall over the sea, outracing their own sound. Their guidance chips are made by free colors on Phobos. Their steel is mined and smelted by entrepreneurs in the belt. Their iron propulsion engines are stamped with the winged heel of a company that makes consumer electronics and toiletries and weapons. Down and down they go, to race shadowless over the desert, then the sea, carrying the weight of the newest empire under the sun. The first bomb destroys the Hall of Justice on Tyche's Vespasian Island. Then it burrows a hundred meters into the earth before detonating against the bunker buried there, killing all inside. The second lands in the sea, fifteen kilometers from a fleet of refugees, where it sinks a society warship hiding under the chop. The third races over a spine of mountains north of Tyche, when it is struck with a railgun round fired from a defense installation by a grey teenager with acne scars and the charm of a sweetheart around his neck. It careens off its course and sputters across the sky before falling to the earth. It detonates on the fringes of the city, far from the water, where it turns four blocks of tenement housing to dust. The Reaper Silent, he lies encased in man-killing metal in the belly of a starship called the Morning Star. The fear swallows him now, as it has done time and time before. The only sound is the whir of his armor's air filtration unit and the radio chatter of distant men and women. Around him lie his friends, they too cocooned in metal, waiting, eyes red and gold and grey and obsidian. Wolf heads mark their pauldrons, tattoos their necks and arms. Wild empire breakers from Mars and Luna and Earth. Beyond them fly ships with names like Spirit of Lycos, Hope of Tinos, and Echo of Ragnar. They are painted white and led by a woman with onyx-dark skin. The Lion Sovereign said the white was for spring, for a new beginning. But the ships are stained, smeared with char and patched wounds and mismatched panels. They broke the sword armada, and the martyr Fabii. They conquered the heart of the Gold Empire. They battled the Ash Lord to the core, and have kept the dragons of the Rim at bay. How could they ever stay clean? Alone in his armor, waiting to fall from the sky, he remembers the girl who began it all. He remembers how her red hair fell over her eyes, how her mouth danced with laughter, how she breathed as she lay atop him, so warm and fragile 
in a world far too cold. She has been dead longer than she was ever alive. And now that her dream has spread, he wonders if she would recognize it. And he wonders, too, if he were to die today, would he recognize the echo of his own life? What sort of man would his son become in this world he has made? He thinks of his son's face, and how soon he will become a man. And he thinks of his golden wife, as she stood on the landing pad, looking up at him, wondering if he'd ever return home again. More than anything, he wants this to end. Then the machine takes hold. He feels the tug on his body, the pounding of his heart, the mad cackling of the goblin and the howls of his friends as they try to forget their children, their loves, and be...